Hello everybody, I'm Alan and once again I'm joined by my co-host Jeff Dirtypool. Hey guys. Welcome to Focus Fire episode number nine. We're almost in the double digits. Oh, shit. And Focus Fire, as always, is a semi-regular competitive 40K podcast aimed at providing you focused and practical advice that you can actually use to improve your game. This podcast is brought to you through the TFG Radio Network. We've been carrying those people for nine weeks now or so. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at, us at focused, with a D, firepodcast at gmail.com. And we're going to have two topics for you tonight. We're going to uh, talk to you about, Jeff's going to talk to you about practical application. He went to the Hammer of Wrath uh, tournament, as, as I almost did. And uh, also then later on, we're going to talk about picking secondaries and what to do and strategies for them. So, Jeff, start us off with your Hammer of Wrath. Okay, guys. So, um, for Hammer of Wrath, there's a GT, local GT here in Los Angeles that's been running for five or six years, I want to say. Um, it's put on by the guys at TFG Radio, namely Adam, uh, who was the head TO and judge for the event. It's uh, hosted at our local gaming store, Game Empire Pasadena, which is a miserable shithole. Uh, <laughs> It's well, actually, just because they don't have air conditioning in a 90 degree weather is not the reason. That <laughs> no. The store itself is okay, but the fact is, is they had, uh, you know, there was 58 players or 52 players of that packed in there, and it was hot as shit. The owner might be a little cheap when it comes to the air conditioning bill, and uh, the thermostat uh, yeah. might have been set a little too high. <laughs> yeah, I was pissed because I paid, you know, a good amount of money to be there, and I was sweating the entire time. But from what I understand, Adam is uh, extricating himself from the store running the... Uh, GT next year, and he'll be doing it at a new location, hopefully. Um, it did bring out a lot of quality players um, from the Southern California region. Um, unfortunately, the guys from Frontline Gaming weren't able to make it out because they had to be up uh, in the Bay Area for uh, Jeff Robinson's memorial. Uh, you know, RIP for him. Um, but, you know, I just want to go over with you guys a couple of the games I had at the Hammer of Wrath um, and give you some, hopefully, some useful tips and, and advice you guys can take home with you to uh, improve your games. So I made a, a, a change from my list at Slaughterfest. Um, I'll go over it really quick with you. Uh, the list is an evil sun, it's orcs, an evil sun war boss on a bike, a big mech uh, with a power claw, and 90 boys, and a wah banner, and they're all evil sun. Um, I switched the fourth unit of boys over to bad moons because um, I need them to clear infantry out and I can use a double shoot stratagem with them which actually came up in one of my games which I'll talk about but uh so the second battalion is two bad moon weird boys 30 bad moon shooter boys two bad moon uh grot units and then t a 10 man tank bus unit with four bomb squigs which are pretty clutch in a lot of games um I prefer them to the ludas because um they don't require an, a cp investiture every turn you kind of just throw them out there they blow one or two things up and then they die and that's kind of all I need them for. Uh, and then the third battalion is three shock attack guns and 30 grots and mad doc grotznik. So I really like the change moving the one of the boy blobs over to bad moons. They don't get the plus one to charge, which can bite you in the butt a little bit. Um, I had them fail a, a nine-inch charge when I rolled an eight, um, which if they were evil sons, it would have made that. But the fact is, is they more than made it up for it over the course of the tournament with the double shoot stratagem from the bad moons on them, helping me clear out big... Um, 
uh, hordes of uh, infantry and stuff like that. So the first game I want to talk to you guys about is uh, I played Magnus and Mortarion in round two. And I made a bunch of mistakes. And I've gone over this before with you guys in um, my pregame assessment skills not being my – that's like my weakest point as a player. And that's something I'm actually trying to get better at. So he had Magnus and Mortarion and like 60s Angors and some Thousand Sun characters. And I looked at this, I said oh, to, to myself, okay, my shock attack guns are going to just shoot Magnus and Mortarion off the board, and then I win. That's pretty much it. And I just have to make sure I kill those Angors with my boys, and that shouldn't be too much of an issue. Um, but I uh, deployed poorly. I put my shock attack guns on top of this tower that was in my deployment zone out in the open, uh, which is a big mistake because Mortar or Magnus had three targetable mortal wound powers. So he, and I knew he was going first because it was a uh, game two and he won the roll or lost the roll too. Uh, so he was going first. So Magnus, of course, flies up and directly mortal wounds my warlord uh, with the shock attack gun who has plus one to wound against monsters. So I'm already starting on the back foot and then he puts Mortarion into some boys. He Mortarion kills some boys and nothing really happens. I spend a little bit too much of my time trying to kill Mortarion and Magnus at that point because I had to devote a lot of resources to kill them uh, because I didn't have my shock, my relic shock attack on with plus one to wound who would have made short work of both of those Primarchs. But because I deployed him in the open, I, which is the whole point is I knew that this could happen, so I deployed my to jump weird boy in the building, in the tower, instead of on top of the tower. So he was hidden because I thought to myself, oh, I don't want to get mortal wounded to death <laughs> but they didn't think about that for the other important piece of my uh <laughs> and my army so you know it's kind of something i'm trying to get better at yeah because the targetable spells you always need line of sight and some of them you know you can't even tar don't even target but <laughs> yeah he also rolled really hot i mean i had five wounds to get through and he rolled three wounds on the first one and then three wounds on the second one so <laughs> it was kind of wasn't wasn't my day um so i was kind of playing on the back foot from turn one this is where i'm gonna you know the, the thing I want to convey to you guys in this one was um, clock management. So my opponent, he took a long time. I was playing a gentleman named Nick Hod uh, Hodson, I believe it is, from, the or from Orange County. He's a local player here. And he took a long time on his first turn. Um, probably took 10 minutes just thinking about what he was going to do, and then another 10 minutes or so moving it, just moving his models. Going back on his plan, moving his models back and forth, which is really annoying, by the way. If you move a model and you're planning on moving it again, you need to put a marker where it moved from because it's actually really important for, you know, big monsters like Magnus getting an extra couple inches. Is we should do, like, chess moves where you you put, take your hand off the bottle, it's moved. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's something you can do, technically, but especially if they've already rolled, like, an advance and they want to move something back to be in an aura, that's, like, no bueno. But um, what I wanted to say was, you know, this was something that I noticed immediately on his turn one. Is that he took a long time to play his turn one. So I immediately knew, like, okay... I'm on the back foot, but he's down to like 50 minutes on the clock at the end of turn one, his turn one, top of one. So I played a really, really tight game. Um, I, my Bad Moon uh, shooter boys got to jump to the other side of the battlefield, shot into a unit of Zangors that was on the board, double shot, and picked them all up, um, which was really, really nice because it, you know, I didn't have to go fight those um, those uh, Zangors later on in the game. Didn't have to worry about them. 
But then, of course, I, I failed my nine-inch charge. I rolled an eight, and then I re-rolled it into an eight. <laughs> it wasn't Evil Sons, and I'm like, God damn it, this is the worst. But, uh, you know, it was okay. Um, so, you know, the, the, the big takeaway from that one was the game was very back and forth. Like, first, he had the initiative, then I kind of went in and killed all those Zangors. I got Mortarion down on turn two, and then on turn three, I got Magnus down. Um, but he was taking a long time with his turns, and so I was making sure I was super tight on my clock play. And passing it to him anytime he needed to do anything. You know, I wasn't leaving it on him. I was, you know, I wasn't like trying to trick him or anything. But I was making sure that everything that he had to do was on his time. So at the end of turn three, he had like four minutes left on the clock. And I had 30. Oh. <laughs> I'm playing, 100, playing a 200 plus model army. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it literally was the what won me the game was he timed out on his turn four in the middle of his turn. He was trying to cast power. He was... He cast like prescience on his angles. He didn't need to, you know. He had to. He, all he needed to do was run in and kill some Gretchen, but he was casting spells that he didn't need to and stuff like that. And it, that that was a real big takeaway that I'd like to convey to you guys is that you always want to make sure you're you're managing your clock because even if you're take, playing a, a low model count army like Magnus and Mortarian on sixties angles, I mean, you can the decision paralysis can be real with those small model count armies with those big kind of heavy hitters. Um, you got to make sure that you are on your clock. You can't just walk through the game thinking, oh, I'm playing Magnus and Mortarian. I'm never going to have a problem with the clock. You always have to keep an eye on the clock and be cognizant of it. You know, as playing 200 models, I'm very cognizant of the time. And, you know, I, my, for instance, my first game, I was playing a new player um, from Las Vegas, which was, you know, it was great, good for me, I guess, because it was an easy game. But I got the clock out because I didn't want to, I needed all six of my turns, and he clocked out on his turn two or something like that. And what army was he playing? He was playing Tau. And he, well, I mean, I passed him, you know, he did four rounds of shooting because I over, he, his whole Overwatch phase happened oh, twice, yeah. you know, and his whole shooting phase happened twice. Yeah, so. that'll do it. Yeah, so he ran out of time, <laughs> and I, you know, but he's also new and just kind of didn't know his rules and was kind of, you know, meandering around. Yeah, I play a very small model count armies, and I do take my time because if you play in a horde army, it's a lot more forgiving if you make mistakes and stuff like that because it's just so hard to kill so many boys, just so, so much cheap crap. But if you have a high model count, uh, a low model count army and a small elite army, it's less forgiving. So you have to be very careful. So I try to be a little bit careful. I do take a little bit of extra time. I'm t but usually, you know, I, I have plenty of time. It's you have never a, uh, an issue unless I forget to flip over the clock. But this goes to show you because you need to be careful of the time. Like I've played against some people, very low model count armies. Like one guy played like just a falchion and some other guys around it. And he just sat there for a long time making decisions. And so you just got to gotta be careful that even if you are fast in a small model count army, you still got to, the clock is still your enemy. Yeah. So that was my uh, my second game of the tournament and um, the piece of practical advice I wanted to pass on to everyone. Uh, my third game, though, was my one loss from the tournament. I played uh, a gentleman named Andrew Dickinger who is... He lost? For yeah, formerly from... Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Uh, Andrew Dickinger is formerly from uh, uh, Roll to Seas podcast, which is no longer in production from what I understand. <clears throat> And he's playing a Death Watch list where he had the three veteran squads. He had a guy with a jump pack, three Terminators, and then six guys with Storm Bolters and Storm Shields in each squad. He had three double lad, no, four Laz Cannon Dreadnoughts of some sort. He had two Evasaur Assassins, two Vindicare Assassins, a Calexus Assassin, and uh, like three 
kind of punchy Death Watch characters. And I, I looked at this list when the list when the, went public, uh, like Wednesday or something like that, and I was like, oh, I don't want to play this. It has a bajillion shots. He's hitting on threes, re-rolling everything, wounding on twos, re-rolling ones. You know, it's not something I wanted to play. And I didn't have a, a, a solid game plan. You know, I, I kind of just deployed and was kind of thinking to myself, like, oh, it'd be good if, uh, if he went first. And then I decided to roll the C's and I seized. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'll go first. And I, I didn't uh, even get a kill. Like, he was really hot on his saves. Because, like, you know, three up invulnerable saves. I shot three shock attack guns into a unit of Death Watch veterans, the only thing I could see. And I did, like, I think I killed two guys. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, if you can make it three up invulnerable saves, I guess uh, Storm Shields are good, you know. <laughs> um, but I, I made a bunch of errors in that game. And... The thing I kind of want to come back to is not having experience with the matchup, right? So, like, I'm a very – I have to learn by doing. You know, I, doing things on paper and seeing things on paper is not really how I learn. And so seeing how durable those Death Watch veteran units are and how quickly they can mold through my boys, and even with the Evasaur Assassins, too, they'll go and pick up 20 boys by themselves um, – I played the, the mission all wrong. I played my plan all wrong. Um, my plan, in retrospect, should have been uh, not going first. <laughs> oh, and as another error I made was I, I got Auspex scanned on turn one. You know, it's where I, I, de- I jumped 30 boys next to him. Oh, you shot. And, he sh- <laughs> and I, I was, my whole plan was like, oh, I'm going to go hug that Calexus. He deployed his Calexus on the line. It was, in my opinion, a big error. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to capitalize on that. I'll get hold more. I'll get the bonus. I'm going to hold all four because I'll kind of daisy-chain my works to two objectives. And I gratuitously just I kind of pushed him nine inches away from some other, one of his Death Watch squads. I didn't need to be near them. I just wanted to go hug the Calexus. And then, of course, he blew, blew away 16 of my orcs on, over, on his Auspex game, which was totally stupid uh, on my part. But that's, you know, something that you just kind of... Auspex fan always, always gets me. <laughs> no matter who I'm playing, I'm always like, fucking Auspex fan always gets me. I can never remember it. Um, but my game plan should have been like, okay... I need to play KG here, and I need to actually screen out his Death Watch squads, which were in Deep Strike, and his Eversaurs with my Gretchen. I need to, like, keep my boys kind of packed up in a corner and away from his rapid-fire range and then keep the Gretchen. I have 50 Gretchen that don't do much in most games, but in those in the games where I need to screen Deep Strikers, they, they can do that really well. And so I needed to kind of screen, do two turns of let him go first, his, he wouldn't have done anything on turn one because there was nothing to shoot at. And he was kind of deployed KG himself. And then I can um, uh, screen out with my Gretchen. So even on turn three, when he brings down all of his Death Watch squads, even if all three come down, they're, they're 20, more than 12 inches away from my Orc boys. And then I can kind of, now knowing where they are on the board, I can play around and either avoid them or, you know, kind of mob them with a bunch of boys. But the Marines are... They still make a lot of attacks. They make three attacks each or two attacks each, and there will soon be three when they get Shock Assault. Um, so they, it was kind of a, a bad game for me, and I had a, a bad pregame plan. I didn't really stop and think about what am I going to do here and to defeat this, and I need to play a little more conservatively. And that's usually in the games I lose. It's typically because I don't know the matchup very well, and I play too aggressively. I throw away my boys too quickly and in this game i was kind of feeding him one one or two boy squads a turn he just was picking him up with his death watch and if i had held back him in more concerted and made him commit to one part of the battlefield first i could have flooded the other part of the battlefield with my boys with you know to jump and stuff like that um to kind of take advantage of his slow six inch move so that was my big my big uh 
kind of point there was my my pregame planning. It's just something that I don't know. We keep saying to everyone, it's something you have to learn. And just you, you can't, it's hard to convey it with just listening to a podcast. Is not going to be very well. You know, it's not going to do too much to help you figure out the pregame assessment. But just hearing these battles hopefully gives you guys some insight onto what you can do better for uh, your games in the future. So uh, my last two opponents. Uh, my last one, uh, opponent that I want to talk about was I played uh, a Caladius Grab Tank Crass Crusader uh, list run by uh, Jessica Bowman, who uh, was in round five. She was 4 0, and I was 3 1. I got the, uh, she got the down pair, I got the up pair. And I've played this matchup before. Our buddy Carlos, who ended up uh, winning Hammer Wrath, had actually, he actually built it, and uh, I practiced against it like once or twice. And it's actually not a hard matchup for my orcs, <laughs> typically. But, uh, you know, my, my pregame plan is I'm going to jump the, the, my tank buses up on turn one. I'm going to shoot two Caladius Grab Tanks down, and then they'll die. And then my shock attack guns will pick up the, um, the knight, uh, you know, over a course of one or two turns, maybe three at the most, and then I'll kill the other Caladius Grab Tank later on in the, in the game. And just use my orc bodies to just kind of screen out all my characters. And this is mission six, where my characters are just going to sit on the bonus objectives and get me a bunch of... Um, bonus points and it worked out really well the the plan went to um the, uh, everything went to plan the only problem was i didn't kill shit <laughs> my tank buses came down and didn't kill a single grab tank and i've played the matchup twice before and they usually will kill and i played against other caladius grab things usually they'll pop two of them in one turn um really yeah because oh, i mean if you more dack of them or they're hitting on uh, exploding on fives ten shots and then they re-roll everything that misses you're going to generally get eight to ten hits on those things and then you're going to wound with like six or seven of them they'll you know usually they'll take about nine or twelve damage and then the shock attack gun might pick up the other one or you know when you your second round of shooting you might shoot half of them at one and half of them at the other or something like that to pick up the last uh, couple wounds on them but i didn't kill any of them i actually had i didn't have a kill on turn one i had to make a really long charge with my orc boys and luckily i she put some guardsmen on the line i was able to uh, we were playing pointy don a uh, pointy hammer and anvil, so I was able to get a charge off. I needed like a ten. I happened to get lucky and roll a high charge, and was able to pick up ten ten guardsmen. So I got kind of lucky there. Um, but you know that that was uh, you know kind of a, the opposite of what happened with my my third game. My loss. This game was I had a game plan. I executed the game plan, and even though my dice took a shit, like they didn't do well. I didn't even kill the knight the whole game. Like my shock attack guns <laughs> didn't do nothing that game, and she didn't even touch them. Like she her vindicare wasn't able to shoot them. Um, I had characters standing on objectives, I, but I struggled to get kills. Like, <laughs> I think at the end of the game, I only killed two Caladius grab tanks because um, I actually just charged one of them or piled into one of them in, in like a subsequent turn of combat and uh, tower clawed it to death, you know, and the other one had one wound. I shot it with shooters, <laughs> you know, just um, to kind of plink those last couple of wounds off it. But it was, this is the, the point I'm trying to get across to the listeners is that like, look, if you have a solid game plan, you can snatch victory from the jaws of defeat if your dice aren't doing any favors. So, you know, I stuck to my game plan. I got my bonus points five or four out of five turns of the game. I held more every turn, and she killed more most most turns because I was struggling to kill grab tanks and stuff because my shock attack guns wouldn't do anything. <laughs> they were literally just rolling fours to wound, missing with everything. I think I actually did roll um, strength 11 once against the, the knight, and I re-rolled the number of shots, and I got like 10 shots. I mean, I missed with nine 
of the 10 shots <laughs> at once. I was like, oh, man. I did like four wounds to it with that. You know, so usually when you get the strength 11, you just kind of go ham and then the night <laughs> blows up or something. But my dice were not um, doing me any favors. But I, uh, I brought home the win on that one, and um, our clubmate Carlos Kaiser took first place with his insane custodians list. It's like an Orion... Three Caladiuses, two. Did he, did he take on Orion? Yeah, he had the big flyer monstrosity. He had three Caladius scrap tanks, two palace scrap tanks, Trajan, a banner, and then like five of the Forge World Terminators. That, that, that list is insane. In the, I like the palace scrap tanks. So I'm surprised we don't see them more often. But yeah, there was a couple of them. There was probably two or three lists at the tournament. There was a ton of grab tanks at this tournament. I, I mean, I must have counted at least twelve. And there was four lists with three at least that I counted. So. Um, third place came in was uh, I got second place with my orcs and uh, I didn't I think God I didn't have to play Brandon Grant but he came in third place. I dodged him yeah this time. Who did he lose to? He lost to um, Carlos. Jeez no I don't no he lost to someone else who did he lose to? Oh he lost to Richard Cozart. Oh Richard yeah, yeah. Cozart played him and then Richard Cozart played Carlos in the in the last round the final table. And, um, Twice in a year, he came so close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah last year he, I, I beat him out at the top table. So uh, it just wasn't. It's just not his tournament, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he goes four and zero there in the money, and then all of a sudden just. Well, at least he didn't tie this year. He, yeah, <laughs> he just <no>. lost. <laughs> yeah, because Carlos's list puts out this insane amount of shooting. All those Forge World Custodes vehicles just. They have so much shooting, and they just table pee. He, like he, I think you know he had hand, he handily beat Richard Cozart because he kind of ca- I think Carlos castled up in one corner, mm-hmm. and Richard Cozart doesn't have any long range threat, so he had to drive his bikes up there and run his list disco lords at Carlos, and Carlos just blew him away as they came. So, so what were your thoughts on the train at this tournament? Uh, actually, the train was a lot better than last year. You know, um, the store Game Empire, Empire Passing has a um, they earlier this year when we had the battle for LA loss, um, battle for LA GT, the store bought a bunch of terrain for that tournament, and so that was a lot of that was present at the Hammer Wrath. I brought three tables worth of terrain. I think uh, Danny Ruiz from TFG Radio brought a couple tables. Adam brought a couple tables. So the tables were pretty good actually. Um, there was a couple of tables that were a little sparse, but for the most part, I think most of the tables had. At least a few buildings that you could hide behind, and some big pieces in the middle that you could uh, use for a line of sight blocking. So I'm going to give my Hammer of Wrath uh, experience. You ready, Jeff? Oh, <laughs> I don't know if we have enough time. <laughs> you, got a, you got a minute? Very first round, I played Andrew Dickinger, who was your uh, my round three o- one and only loss. And uh, I basically, I basically, my army is. Um, I'm playing the similar to what I had at Slaughterfest. Three squads of five uh, Skyweaver jet bikes, a uh, Troopmaster, a Solitaire, and then I had a flyer, a Dark Elder a flyer of three Razorwing jet fighters. Um, and then I had Eldar. I had a, a Farseer, a Warlock, on both on jet bikes, Skyrunners, and uh, three, two squads of five Rangers. Eight uh, Storm Guardians and a Crimson Hunter and a Crimson Hunter XR. So basically, it's a flyer list. I had five flyers and then basically 15 uh, Skyweaver jet bikes. 
And I got Vanguard deployment, so that is not my favorite because we are I'm far away from each other, and you know my 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 jet bikes move okay, you know, 16 inches, but they only have a 24 inch range. So when he's way back in a corner, he's gonna way outrange me, and because uh, he's got he's got four uh, dreadnoughts basically with a double las cannons. That's 12 las cannon shots. So he arranges me, and so he goes first, and he just blows one of my jet bike squads away. I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> and he also he has like uh, five assassins too, which is not which is not what I really want to see. So I was like, okay, well, I now I need to preserve my jet bikes because I can't have him just killing them. That would be bad for me. So <laughs> I moved up my two jet bike squads, and one of them fired. There was this big wall, so one shot. I shot my whole army, all my flyers and all my jet bikes into a 10-man squad of uh, Death Watch in ruins. And I killed only eight of them with my entire army shooting at them. And so you were talking about how durable that squad is. With the, uh, the He had a few Terminators in there, I guess. Yeah, well, at least three, one. Term, three Terminators in each squad. That's and then insane. he had some Storm Shields in there and just being in cover. It just, it was just, he, was, he was in there dug in like a tick on a coon hound. So he was, uh, he was tough to shift. So, so I moved up one of my, my, uh, my Skywaver jet bikes and I fired and faded behind a big wall protecting them. And then the other one, he had a Collexus Assassin, which is kind of a mistake. <laughs> so fine, it's like, okay, I'll just assault this Collexus. So I just completely surrounded him. So now I'm completely, I can't be shot. And I'm in the middle, of the, in the middle of the table. So then turn two, he drops in all these squads. They take off the, uh, they take out the uh, Skyweaver squad that fire and faded. And so I'm now I'm down to just one jet bike squad. I'm getting chewed up. So I go forward with my my last jet bike squad. I move forward. I assault. He only had he only started on the board. You know, just a few dreadnoughts and like a HQ and those then that ten man squad. So I finish off that ten man squad. And he had one character. So I shot a ton of crap at that one character trying to kill him. Finally killed this one character because I want to fight. I want to assault his uh, his dreadnoughts. I don't want to just lock him in combat so he can't he can't uh, he can't uh, shoot me. So I go in there and I assault his dreadnoughts and his dreadnoughts just beat the crud out of me in assault. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> I, I, I think they kick you in their feet. Yeah, they're like you know they're strength six. Okay, fine. They're wounding on my end threes, but they hit really well too. They hit like on twos or twos, threes. Yeah. I think they were venerable dreads or something like that, and they had like a bunch of attacks each. I ended up losing all these Skyweaver, two Skyweaver jet bikes just by be, being beat up by these dreadnoughts. So that wasn't... That's humiliating. <laughs> that wasn't good. So so that that was bad. So then, so and then I, I ran my uh, solitaire forward to, I wanted my solitaire to assault his, uh, he has two Vindicare assassins in a ruin. And I, so I did a blitz move and I just rolled really low and I got far on um, miles away from these assassins and I couldn't make the charge up to, uh, to take care of these two Vindicares. I ended up, uh, I ended up just, uh, so then his turn, you know, his, his Vindicares, uh, shot me out of combat with their pistols. My, my, uh, two Skyweaver jet bikes were in, locked into combat with his uh, dreadnoughts and I guess the Vindicare shot me. 
And so, uh, so then they were out of combat. So now these these uh, now these uh, dreadnoughts can shoot me, and they shot the. I mean, his vindicators from they were not locked in combat with you. Vindicators were not locked in combat, but but they shot my skyweavers who yeah, were locked in combat. Yeah, I know. tried to do that to me. I know. And I was like, you can't shoot a pistol <laughs> if you're not in combat. I know. So he shot me out of combat, which was bad. And then he allowed his dreadnoughts to shoot at me. And so he was shooting down my planes, too. And uh, then turn two, he just he just moved. Those guys who deep truck and shot the, my Skyweaver, who was behind cover, he moved them forward. And then I just had a little bit of a castle left because I had my two, uh, I had my two um, uh, ranger squads and my storm guardians. And he just went to town on them and started smoking them. And so I was down to just like a few, mo- a handful of models at that point, because this Vindicator has also shot my Solitaire. I ran up. I tried to kill with my True Master. I tried to kill one of his uh, ev- was ever Eviscer. What are the uh, yeah, one the of the source? Yeah, they're like they're just like uh, they're like Solitaires. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, my True Master tried to kill one of those. He made all his. He was making vulnerable saves. Like I could not believe. And those saves, those ten guys and. Uh, and those ruins were just, he, he, his saves were on fire because I have a lot of firepower that I stood up there. And so uh, at that point, I was going to get boots on the ground. I just had like a few models left and saying, like, okay, it's time to call it a night so I can see it to him because at the bottom of turn two, I just was, you know, I was going to be tabled. I was going to be at least boots on the ground by turn three. My planes were still okay. He shot a bunch of last cannons at him and did some damage to my planes. He shot like one down, maybe two. He shot one down, wounded one really bad. So that was just a brutal beating because everything is like he shot me, like everything's hitting on. It seemed like twos with a reroll. What does it? He can pick well, like something like a fast attack and like what does he get to reroll it or like preferred re-roll enemy ones. or something? Reroll yeah, ones. To wound. Yeah, because he, he just he was just hitting like because he he hit really good and he wounded really well because I guess that special ammo they have and everything like that and. My army just can't take those kind of wounds because I only have a four up and vulnerable save and, you know, minus one to be hit. So if you're hitting really well and you're wounding really well, I'm going to, I'm going to fold like a, like a wet taco. So that was kind of, that was kind of a bad game and uh, I screwed up several things. First of all, when it was Vanguard Strike, because of the range difference and because I'm such at a range deficit, I should have put two of my uh, bike squads in reserve because that would have done two things first of all if he goes first i could react to his uh his uh deep strikers and another thing is too it allows me to drop down over 12 inches away so i don't get off scanned of course but it allows me to shoot 24 <laughs> inches so i can kill his dreadnoughts and uh and so i i kind of screwed up with the range manipulation and uh, i allowed him because i just struggled to get into it took me two turns to reach him, and I just struggled to get up there. And I screwed up. I screwed up on my target priority, which is one thing I usually really good at. I moved one squad up. I, the the one squad that, that locked up the Calexus assassin, they were in range of one of his dreadnoughts, and I should have shot them all at one of his dreadnoughts. Instead, I'm trying to kill. He only like three guys left in that Marine squad. I'm just trying to finish off that Marine squad. I shouldn't. I should have just ignored that Marine squad. And I should have just shot the haywire at one of his dreadnoughts. Another thing is, too, is I, I took a, a Crimson Hunter just to help with vehicles. Things like Wyverns in the background. Things with, like, uh, tank commanders and stuff like that. So he's got the uh, Pulse Laser and the two Bright Lances. And I, 
I shot him at that infantry squad too, which is, you know, the minuses are good, but he's got like storm shields and he's got like, you know, all these other things. So I should have shot the Crimson Hunter definitely at, uh, at a Dreadnought, either to finish one off or at least start the damage on another one. And then I should have, uh, my my Exarch probably should have shot his Pulse Laser at a Dreadnought too. So I kind of, I, I needed to take out the, the Dreadnoughts. The Dreadnoughts were a big threat and I didn't, I never ended up killing any of them, and I should have smoked one or two turn one, and that was that was a big screw up. It turned out to be so. Oh well, live and learn. But yeah, so after that, that was the last game of my tournament because I I took my toys and I went home. Uh, <laughs> I basically my back was killing me. I've been working out a little bit. Uh, one of the t our teammates is like a personal trainer, is Darian. And he's been training me, and just my, my back was just killing me all week last week. And then I was just so tired, and just I lost, and I was miserable. And it's like, yeah, I can't, I, I just can't do this. So I just, you uh, old fuck. I just, I know, I'm an old man. But yes, the old man still got a few games at him because we, we play, Jeff runs this league. We should talk about league one of these times in the podcast, but let's, let's get to our second topic. We will in a second, but. There's two, there's two young whippersnappers, I'll call them millennials in our league, who are talking trash about the old man, and I've got to, and I beat whoop both of them and send them back down to pod two where they belong, so, all right. <laughs> okay, we'll see. Our, our secondaries, our second topic is secondaries. It was a good topic for to go second. And we're going to talk about uh, how many times have you heard in a tournament somebody complain about, oh, I picked the wrong side, I totally screwed up and picked the wrong secondaries. I do it all the time. <laughs> I know. Secondaries are so important because, you know, you kill some, you hold some, everybody's going to do that. And the secondaries oftentimes are going to make you and break you. And if, if there's a secondary that you choose and you get zero from that secondary, that's really going to be uh, crippling. So we're going to talk about, uh, try to talk, we're going to focus on uh, three, five secondaries. We're going to talk about recon. We're going to talk about, uh, let's see now, old school, headhunter, and engineers. Engineers and behind enemy lines. We're just going to go into a little bit of detail why you should pick them, why you shouldn't pick them, just defenses against them, and strategies if they're, they're right for you. So we're going to start off with recon. Now, let me read recon for you here from the uh, sheet. Uh, a unit must uh, have a unit at least partially in each table quarter at the end of your player turn. A unit may only count as being in one table quarter at a time for purposes of, the, of this rule, and uh, it's good for one point a turn. When do you want to pick it? The secondary is good if you have an army with good board control like Orcs or Chaos. When you rush into the center of the table and you take it, you own it, you control it, uh, that's a good. That's going to be a good uh, secondary for you, and especially if, especially if your opponent is not going to be a board control army, like if they're Tau or Necron, something that wants to stay as far away from you as possible. You're going to own the board, and you're going to be in a lot of table quarters, and there's not too much they're going to be able to do with it. And uh, it's also good if you have fast moving elements like flyers. I always take it. I almost always take it when I when I play my Eldar flyer list because you can fly just about anywhere and go just about anywhere. So. You're pretty much free like a bird. And then also if you have reserves or outflankers, it's pretty good. Or if you have like something like scouts that can, you know, deploy into different places like Nurglings. Uh, so you can go into different places and basically you can get into the four table quarters. Because 
Mostly in deployment zones, you're going to start in two table quarters, and you can probably generally, most of them, you can get into a third table quarter without too much trouble, but that fourth one is always going to be a little sticky point with trying to get into it. So it's good if you have, have kind of mobility. Now, it's good when not to take it. There's a couple traps with the secondary. One, if you're a small elite army, you might not have the forces to be in like a bunch of different table quarters. Because sometimes armies, as a general rule, they kind of want to stick together because you, you have auras, you want to be mutually defend yourselves, and you want to you want to be able to, to react. So you kind of want to support. So to have units in like a bunch of different table quarters out in the wilderness might not necessarily be good. Also, if you don't have the volume of units necessary, somebody could, and this is how you defend against it too, is you, you pick off a unit. Let's say you just have one unit and one table quarter and nothing else around it. You just kill that, kill that unit. You're, you're going to struggle to get recon then. Then now you're going to have to move a unit you don't want to or might, might not want to move into that table quarter then to, to get it. And uh, let's see now. Also, also, if you have like two board control armies... You don't want to take it like orcs versus orcs because you're going to be in a big scrum in the middle of the table. And uh, that's not necessarily conducive to getting one one guy in each yeah. table quarter. To speak on that, you know, like I play orcs recently and I almost always take Regan because I'm always pushing and I'm deploying on the line and I'm running right at the opponent. Um, I'll be jumping into their the fourth table quarter that's hard to get. Um, and it's it's pretty easy for me to get recon. But in games where there's other aggressive melee armies that are in my in my shit every you know from turn <laughs> one, I struggle to get it. Like when I first my first Gene Star Cult game, I took Recon and I I think I only got three points from it because mm -hmm. on turn one he was you know I couldn't push past the middle because of our terrain and we had this weird piece that I kind of had to walk around to get to one quarter, but I couldn't get into the fourth quarter. And then he screened me out for two or three turns until I was able to uh, push through all his aberrants and stuff like that. But it was a that then against that kind of matchup, I don't want to take recon because, like you said, it's going to be a trap if you're going to be in a big scrum. Uh, it's not necessarily the the best idea. And this this whole kind of topic goes back to ties back to our pregame assessment uh, episode. You know, you these are the kind of things you want to think about. Hopefully, before you pick your <laughs> secondaries, like if if right. you. Look at if you're playing uh, against Richard Cozart's list with three Disco Lords and a big unit you know, Chaos Bikes and a bunch of Demonettes running up the board at you, and I'm playing Orcs, Recon might not be the best choice because I need to use my 120 boys to defeat his melee, melee threat. And it's I can't afford to send one into a different corner just to touch and get Recon. But if I'm playing something like Tau, I definitely can. I can... I can string a couple of boys back to touch one corner with a charge, you know, so when I get my charge in, I can have one guy string back, touch another objective, hopefully two, and secure a table quarter with that squad, and then use another squad to grab another quarter and kind of string your boys out. Because I don't need all of them to be in the fight, you know, but in a, in a matchup like against, like, Kraken Gene Stealers, for instance, I'm going to need all the attacks I can get to, to um, defeat my opponent. So you, you don't want to take recon in those situations necessarily.
Yeah, and there's also other drawbacks. Let's say you're taking a flyer list. You have to fly into your opponent's basically deployment zone and basically close to them. And the flyers work best when they're farther away. You kind of want to stay about 36 inches preferably so, so they'll have troubleshooting you. Because if you if you get close, you know, it takes like a demon prince just to warp time up there and just he'll just melee you. Or also, you know, the bubble of like a crimson hunter protection is like, you know, 12 inches. And within that 12 inches, you're only minus one for flyer. You use the uh, you lose the LA talk uh, Bonus, minus one yeah. to be hit. So and then like it opens up you to assault. So I've had a lot of people take recon and just fly up there to me, and it's like either Magnus when I play Thousand Suns or or Demon Princes will just assault them, or if I'm playing uh, Eldar. Uh, just my my Skyweaver jet bikes will just go and assault them. So sometimes you just want to be far away, poss possibly depending on the matchup, and just you don't want to be into their close to them or in their deployment zone. Yeah, and like, that's one of those things that you just kind of get from experience and playing your list and having less fluency. Like you'll know you know what games you can get recon and what games you can't. Right. But also, there's there's sometimes, and then defending against it, there's going to be low-hanging fruit. You see a table quarter, it only has one unit or one guy tucked somewhere, you know, like they just they just uh, put like the minimum amount of resources necessary to hold hold a table quarter. You just go after that, you just go after that guy or that unit, and then they're going to struggle to get it back again. Yeah, so. Especially if they don't have anyone who can easily run over there and grab that uh, quarter. If they, you know, may have to get a high advance to get into that quarter. The next one we're gonna, and also sometimes, yes, you see a lot of people also take a lot of these missions. Just they're not thinking about it. They just they're on autopilot too. They don't really look at the list and the matchup because recon, like old school behind enemy lines, sometimes it doesn't matter what your opponent's list is really. For a lot of times, you just go, okay, I'll just take this because you know you can just take recon or behind enemy lines. And people just do it automatically, and you got to be careful with that. You got to really look at your, your your opponent's list and see if you can do it, or if these are achievable goals. Yeah. So old school. So these are going to be. Uh, this is old school is good generally if you have no other options. <laughs> if everything else is a whole bunch of bad options, you probably generally people default to old school because it's familiar. It's usually relatively achievable, and uh, it's not it's not too difficult. So it's it's a good it's a good uh, it's a good secondary if you don't have anything that's better, which is some armies because like Eldar and a bunch of other things, some armies just you struggle to give give up uh, secondaries with. And old school is like eh okay I'll just take old school. Yeah, old school is kind of like that old. That old trusty uh, yeah. ex-girlfriend, you know, you get, keep, you know, I guess I'll call her tonight. <laughs> nothing yeah, else nothing, to do. Nothing else to come on. home to. <laughs> uh, so, ah, Pam. <laughs> now, it's bad for several reasons. It's bad if you're facing off against a very durable army. Uh, durable armies, if, if you can't get that kill on the first turn, which is some, which is a good portion of armies these days, it seems like, if you can't get a kill turn one, it's really bad because you're starting at a deficit. Another one is if they have a combat warlord, if a warlord's coming forth and he's in there swinging his axe around, you know, fine. You know, it's going to be easy to kill a warlord. If he has a warlord that's in the rear with the gear, like a Tau Ethereal or like a Farseer or something like that, it's going to be hard to dig the, dig him out and try to kill him. Yeah, essentially you have to table him to get that, that point. And I, I, I think old school is a fucking horrible choice. <laughs> I, every time I take it, I'm always like, why did I take that? <laughs> so stupid. 
And also sometimes, and then the other two things are, you have to kill you in the last turn. Sometimes there's not either no, no nothing really killable, or yeah. you can't, you don't have the firepower. You don't have the, uh, the yeah, strength you can't to kill even do something. It. Yeah, it's tough to do. And then sometimes you don't have the ability or the speed to limp into a, your opponent's uh, deployment, zone. deployment zone. So old school is kind of tricky because it, it seems like it's, it's easier than it really is. So I, I really caution people to, to to think twice before ever taking old yeah, school. I I always if there's uh, five objectives, I will take ground control before I take old school. Uh, even with my orcs, I mean, my orcs are usually all dead at the end of the game. All the boys are dead. I maybe have a couple of Gretchen and some characters, but I'll still take ground control because all i got to do is jump on a couple of objectives at the end of the game, and I'll get three points, and that's probably more than I would get with old school. You know? Yeah, that, that's another problem with old school. Old school is fine if you're front-running. If you're crushing your opponent, if you're doing well, it's great. You know, just extra points. But if you're in a really close, tight game... When you really need those secondary points, old school might not be there for you and might cost you the game. Yeah, and one of the things I always do when I choose secondaries is I look to, I ask myself, can my opponent just deny me this secondary? Like, if you take Kingslayer on a character that you can't target with shooting, like, uh, you know, on an Autark or a Demon Prince, that your opponent can just go, okay, well, I'm going to... It's not going to give you those four points, and uh, and I'm probably going to win because you're going to have four points down. And I I won't use my demon prince. I'll hide in this building the whole game and be totally irrelevant. But that shit, that guy just got me four points, and that's a huge swing, you know. And right. I, that can make or break your game. Yeah, when you blank somebody out of a secondary, like one time I marked for death against a gene sitter cult, and he just had him in the blips. They just put him up. Uh, and just didn't bring him down till turn six, and never got a shot at uh, shooting him. And that's like three. Uh, that's three secondaries. Like, like yeah, I, I, in my uh, fourth game at Hammer of Wrath, I played against a top player, and he took um, engineers against me. And then on turn one, there was two big L-shaped buildings in the middle, so he had to kind of pivot one way uh, and kind of expose part of his army. And I had charged on turn one. I charged into his crew wall that he left up, and I punched it with one dude. Didn't kill any crew. And then I trapped it and ate it in his turn two. And then on my turn two, I just charged into his, his engineer squads. I took a bunch of Overwatch, but I had 15 orcs make it through, and they just picked up both of his engineer squads, and he didn't get any – he got one point for engineer the whole game. <laughs> and then I was a priority objective mission, so I was holding his priority objective at that point too because I was hiding in a building. And he had the choice of either do I send my riptides over to try and peek over the wall of this building and shoot those orcs, or do I go and kill the other orcs that are barreling down on them, and he chose to go kill those orcs. So I was able to – get priority objectives as well so like those are the kind of things that you kind of want to think about what, what i think about is can you if your opponent can deny you those points either by killing your engineers or by not employing a unit then that could be a drastic swing in the game yeah let's talk about the uh, engineers now engineers let's let's read what engineers is engineers it's like two non-character non-fortification units you can't have a uh, fortification engineer oh man that sucks units from your army to be engineers so you non-character so you can have like vehicles and a bunch of other things i didn't know that i thought it was infantry for some reason starting about around two either of these units starts and ends your turn within three inches of objective marker you control and it did not make any attacks or manifest any psychic powers during your turn or one point at the end of that turn. So you can't shoot, I take it, then, either. Can't shoot, can't fight. So you just sit there, just hugging your objective. These units may not score this objective if they join other units during the course of play or split into multiple units. Units chosen to be engineers may never benefit from a rule that keeps them from being the target of attacks, cloud of flies, for example. 
They can benefit from terrain blocking line of sight to them. So engineers is a good if you have durable, strong units that are going to be sitting in the rear with the rear anyways. It's great for if you have uh, uh, the Eldar uh, Rangers because, you know, you're minus, usually they're going to be all, all Atok, who are we kidding? They're going to be uh, uh, minus two to be hit. Nerglings are good. They're super yeah. durable, super annoying. And they're usually in a, in a list that has a bunch of flyers or other things that you don't really, they, Rangers are the last thing you yeah, want to shoot, I know. You know? especially <laughs> if they're minus two. You got, you got real things to, to, to deal with. And then you, for a command point, you can bubble move. Pop up the six, I guess, if you had six is the... Yeah, the I, I find engineers is... I mean, I take it on grots a lot. Plague bears, yeah, because no, it's, it's... Well, there's kind of a fine line. Here's, here's the, 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 uh, the bad about it. If your engineers get killed, you'll never see those secondary points. So when I played Ben Jurek at, uh, in Vegas... No, it was, BAO. Uh, it was BAO. He flew over his uh, his jet fighters. He just smoked my uh, engineers, and there was four secondaries I'll never see again. And that's what a lot of people will do because engineers. It's one thing that you can you can stop somebody from getting engineer points, especially since it's like turn two on if you have them. Because well, for my my Zinch had such hard trouble getting any hold uh, getting secondary, so I started choosing uh, uh, engineers, and but I only really had had a brimstone horrors that I could put it on and they're little small little things so I can hide behind just like a little tiny wall <laughs> practically out of line of sight but if you have quick units or deep striking units they can be taken out so yeah, engineers are risky it's a risky yeah. secondary because of that but like I said so you get kind of sloppy playing against bad players and they just ignore your engineers all game and then good players know you need to kill those. So, yeah. if you have like, if you're facing mortars or night spinners or anything with like wyverns or like all these other indirect fire or anything like that, death will rain down upon your engineers. <laughs> upon yeah. your engineers. Yeah, I, I never take engineers if my opponent has any kind of indirect fire. Like, if there's like one iron storm <laughs> missile pot on a knight, I'm like, oh, it's fine. Okay. He might not. I mean, but even with I'm with my Gretchen, I'm like, he's like, well, you kill two of them. Maybe the whole squad <laughs> might run away. You never know. They're the leadership four or some shit. So, but yeah, engineers is is a. I actually really like taking on the on the uh, missions. Jeez, uh, I think it's mission four where you can move a priority objective, and then mission two where you place objective in your deployment zone, and then mission five where you place objectives. So anything where you can move or place an objective is great for engineers because you can move it toward a building and then have your engineers just sit in that building. Yeah, it's great if you have a building that blocks line of sight near an objective. That's that's when it's really good. But like I said, opponent, you got to be careful. And that's about we talked about the uh, pregame assessment. They got direct to indirect fire if they have fast moving units. Yeah, like flyers are a pain in the ass. Those flyers can fly on top of that building. They're hired in, look down, and bl blast them away. I, I do that all the time with LR. So players. you you got to be you got to be really careful with engineers. So it's it's a double edged sword. It's usually it's a good one. It's usually an easy one, but it yeah, has right. counters. So yeah, you have you have to be cool. really good with your pregame assessment on when you're choosing engineers because if you fuck up, <laughs> you you can't you know if you fuck up on recon. You can make those up on a couple of turns. It doesn't matter what unit you're trying to kill. Uh, and if it's the kill-based secondaries, typically you can go, okay, well, I can use other things in my army to make up the slack and kill that unit. But if the engineers, it's literally two units in your army. If they get killed, they're fucked. Or if they get, you know, you don't, you don't, so if you get tagged in combat, you're going to be fine with engineers because you can back up. And as long as you started within three and ended with three and didn't attack that turn, you'll still get your point. But if someone tri-points your engineers, 
you know, even if they're su- if they're super durable and they're not going to die, if they're forced to make attacks, right. then they cannot score engineers. So if someone sends in, you know, let's say you pick three custodian guard as your engineers, you're like, oh, I'll just sit them in the back. Someone charges in 30 orc boys or 30 pink whores or something. Yeah, those custodian guards might kill four or five of them a turn or six or seven of them a turn, but they had to make attacks, you know, and then you're preventing those secondary points from being accrued. And because you only have five turns to do it, because you can't do turn one, it's really uh, crucial if you can uh, make your opponent's attack and not score those points. Yeah, and I've had people just suicide against uh, against them, just like they knew the unit was not going to come back alive, but they just wanted to kill those engineer squads, and it's not necessarily a bad risk or gamble. To, yeah, because, uh, you know, most sacrifice. most close games, if your opponent and you are evenly matched, and you let's say one of you is killing more, one of you is holding more, and... Um, you guys are both expecting to get 11 or 12 secondary points. If you can knock four and get your opponent down to seven or eight secondaries, you just won that game because you guys are each getting three per turn, maybe a bonus here and there, and, and even maybe there's a turn where you guys both kill the same. But that four points it can easily swing a close game um, to, a, to a loss. Now let's talk about behind enemy lines. I see this a lot. I can I used to take it all the time, especially when it was my Eldar Flyers, my Razorwing Jet Fighters. I kind of backed off of it a little bit. It's it's a little bit harder than than even harder than it sounds because all you need for behind enemy lines is one model in the opponent's deployment zone. Then the next turn, you get one point. And uh, behind enemy lines is good if you have outflanking units or if you have units in reserve that can come down or fast moving flyers. This you might you might choose this one now. It's good if you're going to have a lot of units in your opponent's deployment zone. Like if you're going to like Gene Sealer Colt, this might be okay because you're going to drop down a ton of crud and within short point blank range and just go nuts. But uh, or if you have you have flyers now. The counter to this, the bad is you you need to be there for a turn to count. So you need to you need to survive a turn. So. If depending on how many units you have there, you could you could get blown away, and then you're gonna have to bring in something else to uh, to get those points, and also uh, things that can be killed. Like I think I was playing. I think this was a BAO mission too. I was playing against a Dark Eldar army, and he had a bunch of slow units. He had grotesque and you know Talus and things like that. He had ravagers, but they're they're not gonna be close to my deployment zone. So, but he only, he had two razor wing jet fighters, and he flew flew one over, thinking, oh, you know, this is be fine, you know, I'm not gonna kill it. But then it's like, you know, Magnus with a warp time, you know, he just runs, he just flies across the board and hacks it down because I don't want him taking behind enemy lines. And you got to be really careful because you know, especially if you have flyers and things like that, you are gonna be in their deployment zone, which means they can be, you're gonna be in close range, and they can kill you. And even with the reserves, you know, you're going to be in there in the middle of their army, so it's a possibility that you, you're going to struggle to get it sometimes. So, yeah, it's it's behind enemy lines. I took it when I played Eldar with flyers and stuff like that. But I, I kind of in the same boat as you. The more and more I take it, the more and more I don't like it because, essentially, unless you're like going to deep strike a Kalexis assassin into their corner of their deployment zone and just say, like, I don't care. Like, good luck killing this dude. It's it's tough to get behind enemy lines. Even, like, for aggressive armies like Kraken Gene Sealers or melee armies like Cultists or Chaos, uh, Orcs or Chaos, you got to get whole. I think you have to be wholly within their... Get the, you know, every every model in the unit has to be wholly in their deployment zone. So, like, 30 orc boys, you can't just have five of them in there. All 30 of them have to be in the deployment see, zone. Now, if at least one of your units is entirely in the deploy, enemy yeah. deployment zone at the start of your turn, earn one point. A unit 
is entirely within it. Every model in the unit is at least partially in the enemy. Yeah, so like, zone, so, you know, yeah. with a flyer, you just have to put one tip of the tip of your base in there. But with 30 orc boys, you got to put all 30 <laughs> of them in that deployment zone. Everybody in. Yeah, so it, it's 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 a trap in my opinion for the most part. I, I don't think many armies are particularly good at it, and it forces you to play aggressively, which the more and more I, I play, I notice that if I play conservatively, I usually have better success in games. So, you know, being forced... Like, recon is one where you're, like, you, you're forced to be somewhere that you don't necessarily want to be, but it's not too bad because if you're in the middle of the board, you can just step over that center point in the, uh, to be in any quarter. But uh, behind enemy lines is a little bit more restrictive. And uh, I think harder to score, mainly because of the point uh, that Alan was raising earlier that you can just you have to survive a turn. <laughs> That's not always easy to do. So. Yeah, because you, you need to be you need to land you need to land with authority and with volume, or else you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be pushed out. Right, so what's the last one? You the last one is gonna be headhunter. You earn one point for each character you slay. Now this is good if your opponent has a lot of characters, of course. Now, it's kind of a trap, too. Now, you have to look at the type and quality of characters. There are some characters that are going to be running forward. You find, if you, if you see three Lord of Discordants across the table, they're going to be all up in you. And you better kill them or else you're going to lose anyway. So <laughs> you might as well take Headhunter. But there's a lot of times, like, Tau characters are really hard to kill. And sometimes Assassins are hard to kill. Sometimes, you know, like a Farseer and Warlocks are really hard to kill. You have like, you know, you have action, you have, you know, fighting characters who are in the front leading the troops, and then you have guys in the rear. The guys in the rear are really hard to kill, and especially if you take Headhunter, you should try to conserve them. You need to go, you need to go out of your way to keep them alive as long as possible, especially if you have like, you know, and you see bad players just have characters around just willy-nilly. See, the, here's the problem. You have good players and bad players. And sometimes you get sloppy with, with playing uh, bad players. So good players will always keep their characters buried in the middle of troops or chaff or whatever, completely surrounded on all sides. I know when I played, when I, ha I had a one time, I had a two-man Skyweaver squad. And the two-man Skyweaver squad, all they did was just be on either side of my Farseer at all times. So nobody, because it's, he'll never be the closest target in case anything drops down or if anything can shoot at it. I need to, I want that Farseer to, uh, to live as long as possible. And so, like, my Harlequin army, I've been playing a Harlequin army, and it has a lot of characters. It has two Shadow Seers, two Troop Masters. It has uh, two Death Jesters and a Solitaire. Now, I will give up easily. You're going to guarantee basically killing a true master and a solitaire. Now, killing anything else, you're going to struggle because the death jesters are going to be pretty far back and they're going to be shooting at you. And the uh, shadow weavers, uh, shadow seers are, are psychers, so they're going to be well back as well. So you see like, ooh, seven characters, but you're not going to really, most armies won't, you won't have the opportunity to kill really seven characters. Yeah, I mean like, my orc army, I have nine characters, but you know, three of them are shock attack gun guys sitting in the back, and two of them are weird boys who kind of like. Well, the other <laughs> seven, the other six, all run up with my orc boys. So people pick headhunter against me, and a lot of times they get like one or two points, unless they're crushing me. If they've killed all my orc boys, then all the characters are next, right? But at that point, I've already lost. So it's like, what the fuck? Who cares? But if it's a close game, I just go, okay, well, my characters are going to. You know, not be as aggressive. I'm gonna 
put them in a building or something where you can't see them because uh, they're infantry. And I'm going to be a little more cagey with them to deny you those kill points. Because, I mean, this is a thing with Headhunter. It's any other, any, any secondary that you, your opponent can just choose not to give you and take a tactical disadvantage for doing so is, is you have to be careful when you take it. Yeah, you got to be, like, especially like things like Kingslayer, you, you just, you, you know, even if it's a valuable character, it does a lot of things for you. If, if it's like, it's worth four com, uh, secondaries, you just, well, I'm just not going to play with him this, this game. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, gonna... like, I, if someone, if I had a Demon Prince and someone chose Kingslayer on my Demon Prince, or even my Autark on a Jet Pike, right. you know, he has six wounds, and if you make him a Warlord, then he counts for uh, uh, full Kingslayer. Okay, well, he's just going to sit in this building all game, and I don't need him. I mean, right. I'm just going to play cagey and deny you four secondary points. And then, uh, you know, that's one thing you can do if you want to. If you want to play head games with your opponent, you can be like, well, if they ask, what, what kills, what, what secondary? Oh, like, like what, Kingslayer on my Autark or, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And, and then just not use them, knowing full well that you're pretty much offering them uh, advice that is not the, the yeah, best advice. You, you need to be really well aware of those those. The secondaries. If they do have headhunter, you do need to be a little bit more careful with your characters, their placement, and you know you can't just be brave. Oh, this thing! I'm just gonna run forward with my staff and just bonk something on the head. No, you gotta, you have to keep them, uh, you have to keep them alive. You have to deny your yeah. opponent the uh, points. And and to kind of wrap it up on these secondaries, I think like for me, I one of the things I've noticed is when you play knight armies. Knights are super easy to pick secondaries because you Kingslayer one of the knights and you Titan Slayer the other two, and so it, it it's two secondaries that knights always give up max points on. So it's and it's they can't do anything about it. So if you can shoot and kill knights, then you're going to get eight secondaries. And then the third one, you know, you could choose old school hell if you want. If one of their knights is also the warlord, <laughs> you know, old school is great. Kill. I mean, assuming you can kill a knight in one turn, but uh, even if you can't, you know, it's um, it's still not a bad option. Yeah, the knight, knight armies are one of the reasons I think that they're not as good is because they give up secondary so easily. And same with like Dark Eldar, like uh, Homunculus Covens right now. That's like, you know, if you take Talos, each Talos is worth a big game hunter point and a, a gangbuster game point. So you're like, uh, I'm saying same with your, your Eldar list with the uh, the Skyweepers, you know. It's yeah, like they, yeah. there's gangbusters. Every, gangbusters. Everybody takes gangbusters against me. Yeah, like, and okay, it is what it up. is. I mean, <laughs> and so when you're designing lists, you know, this is kind of a topic for another day, but you can think about when you're designing lists, like what secondaries can you give up? And if you only give up one kill-based secondary, that's a that's a really good list. You know, it's hard to build a list that doesn't give up any, um, but if you can – Force your opponent to take something like even like Mark for Death. If they hit the Mark for Death, you know, I feel like if you're picking Mark for Death, it's a bad day. Yeah, for the, <laughs> yeah I know that's what I feel the same way. The same thing, it's, that's why you see a lot. Eldar armies are the hardest usually to pick secondaries from. Usually you can get book, big game out of Hunter off of them because they have flyers now, but everything else is just like a struggle. They usually give up like three or something max. And if you build your army around that, that's really good. But Headhunter, headhunter is kind of like old school in a way. Like, if you're winning, if you're crushing your opponent, it's gonna be great. You can get four points. If you're not crushing your opponent, if it's a close game and you're struggling and you need to pull a win out, even though you're slightly behind, headhunter is not gonna be your friend because yeah. you're gonna you're not gonna be able to get to the characters and do what you need to do. And that's why things like uh, fast moving units and like teleporting spells are really nice for taking things like recon because recon, even if you're getting creamed. 
and you're not gonna kill anything. <laughs> At least like I'm just gonna walk over here and hold <laughs> hold this quarter, you know, be in this quarter, and that's that's why those kind of secondaries are really nice to pick. All right, and on that note, it's time to I think it's time to blow this popsicle stand. So be sure to email us, us email us if you have any comments or criticism. I don't know about criticism, but no, if you have comments or criticism. Feel free to uh, email us at focusfirepodcast at gmail.com. And Jeff, take us home. All right, guys. Have a good night. All right. Take care. See you soon.